When God is with you, folk can come against you, but they cannot prevail. Five seven five two. The Reluctant King, Part Four. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today we're on Part Four of a series called The Reluctant King. And I'll be reading today from First Samuel, the tenth chapter, the NIV version. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gilby of God where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gilbeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the young son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Looking for the donkeys, he said. But when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, He assured us that the donkeys had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. The prophet Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all of your calamities and distresses, and you have said, No, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, 
the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forth the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Mitra's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel explained to the people the regulations of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people, each to his own home. Saul also went to his home in Gilboa, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. And I want to focus on 1 Samuel 10:22. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. The King James Version says he has hidden himself among the stuff. Here Samuel the prophet had prophesied to Saul some exceedingly, exceedingly detailed prophecy. He said, look, you won't go to this place it's going to be three men, they're going to have three goats, three loaves of bread, and some this, that, and the other, and they're going to offer you two loaves of bread. I mean, that was just specific as it could be. And the Lord says all the things that had been prophesied were fulfilled that day. So there was no question in Saul's mind that this was God speaking because the prophecy was not generalized prophecy. It was really, really specific. You're going to go there, you're going to see three men with three loaves of bread, Three and they're gonna give you two loaves of bread. It was so when they handed him the two loaves of bread, Saul knew. When his uncle asked him, What did Samuel tell you? You know, if you go to a prophet, they're always gonna ask you, What did the prophet say? Why? You get a word? Did you get a word? So basically, what his uncle was asking, Did you get a word? So all Saul said was, Well, he told us where the donkeys were. Actually, in the King James Version, it says he told them where the asses were. So all he got was an ass word. That's all he said. <laughs> But he forgot to tell him about the king's word. All he was focused on was the ass word, not the king's word. And when you're focused on the wrong thing, you will miss your blessing from God. So here, Saul, when Samuel went through and went down each tribe and clan and finally got to Saul and he said, where is it? And they inquired of the Lord because they couldn't find him. So they had to ask God where he was. See, a lot of people think... They can hide from God. There was a father and his son. They were driving out in the country one day and drove past a watermelon patch. So the daddy pulled the car over. He said, son, I'm going to run out here and get me one of these watermelons. And it wasn't his patch. But he said, I'm going to run out here and get me one. He said, look, you stand right here on the side of the road. He said, I want you to look left and I want you to look right. So you holler to me if you see anybody coming. You make sure now you look left and you look right. You, you holler if you see anybody coming because I'm going out here and get me one of these watermelons. So the daddy got out, he walked down in the field, found him a choice watermelon, and then he plucked it. He said, son. The son said, yes, daddy. He said, do you see anybody? He said, now look, make sure you look left, and make sure you look right. Do you see anybody? And the little boy said, daddy, I don't see anybody on the left, and I don't see anybody on the right. But he said, daddy, do you think we might need to look up? 
You can hide some stuff from man. You can do some stuff in the dark, but you cannot hide from God. And we need to look up sometimes. So here Saul was thinking that he could hide from God by hiding among the baggage. Now, first of all, I understand why Saul did not want the kingship. I fully understand. I'm not really condemning Saul for that because I understand it. That's why I'm preaching this series because I was in that shape. God said, I want to take you to some places, but I want you to study the reluctant king because you don't want to go where I'm trying to take you. So, Lord, I'm comfortable right now. Saul was comfortable where he was. You know what happened? As soon as he got to be king, did you read what happened? As soon as he got to be king, there were some folk who supported him. But what came right after that? The Bible says troublemakers. Who says, how can this man save us? He had naysayers, which, what we call in the modern urban vernacular haters, right away. So the minute he assumed the throne, he got haters. And I understand why Saul did not want to take the throne. Because he knew there would be problems and responsibilities and stuff. And he was comfortable among the baggage. And how many of us have baggage? That we're comfortable with. You know when you ask somebody about somebody else. Thinking about dating them or what is it. They're right, but they got a whole lot of what. And sometimes our baggage keeps us from the destiny God has for us. And see we've got to understand Jesus is the greatest baggage handler. Yes, some of you may have some baggage. All of us got some kind of baggage. You got either emotional baggage or you may have some physical baggage. All of us got some kind of baggage, but it should not deter you from the destiny God has for you. And see, I understand why Saul didn't want it because the king has a heavy responsibility. But this verse in 1 Samuel 10.22, I want you to remember 10.22 And I'm going to give you something to just help you remember 1022. This is a bag. Y'all know what's in this bag. This is a bag, but it's technically baggage. I want to show you what's in this bag. What is in this bag is this. This is a rifle. And not only is it a rifle, it is a rifle that is the most popular 22 rifle made. And it's called a 1022. If you see the Writing on the stock, this is a 1022. This is my rifle. I got a lot of these in one form or another. Path to be ready. <laughs> this is a 1022 takedown. It's called a takedown because you can take it down. But sometimes God calls you to war. And see, that's what Saul knew. Now, it's unloaded. I make sure everything's unloaded. Boat is clear. The clip is clear. So y'all don't have to worry about the pastor losing it. But uh, and y'all don't have to worry about the pastor aiming and pointing. Says, Some of y'all ain't even paying your tithes. And I know who y'all. You don't have to worry about that. But Saul knew. He knew that if God called him to be king... He would more than likely have to go to war. And if God calls you to a destiny, sometimes he'll call you to a destiny to get you out of comfort and you got to go to war. 
There are some things that he has called you to battle against, to proclaim against, to deal with, and he gets you off of your comfort seat and sends you out into the battlefield. Have you ever really read the Old Testament and see how much war and how much battling there was? Even when you read the New Testament, the New Testament told the disciples, go and get yourself a sword. And the disciples came back and said, Lord, we have two. And Jesus says, that is enough. And the sword is a modern-day equivalent of a weapon. So you'll remember the 1022, which is the most popular of the 22 rifles. If I had to choose one weapon, I got a whole lot of rifles, way more powerful than this, but this is the one I'd take with me. If I had only one weapon, this would be the one I'd take. And the thing is, it is better to be armed with a 22 in the will of God than to be sitting in a tank outside of the will of God. When God is with you, Folk can come against you, but they cannot prevail. And I believe just as with me, there are so many of us right now, and God has called us to a whole different level, but for whatever reason, we just won't carry the ball. There was once a football game going on in college, and and it was a tight game. And the coach called the quarterback over. He said, look, this game is tight. That's a tough team. They're about to win. They're beating us back. This is tight. Get the ball to Leroy. Give the ball to Leroy. So they went out. They had a first down. Hiked the ball. And the quarterback gave the ball to the fullback. They tackled the fullback. They lost seven yards. And the coach called it. I told you to get the ball to Leroy. Second down. Hiked the ball. Quarterback went back. Gave the ball to the halfback. They tackled him. Lost another three yards. Coach just mad by now. He said, I told you. Give the ball to Leroy. Third down, hiked, went back, gave the ball to the tailback. Stopped him, they lost two yards. The coach is just stomping on the sidelines by now. I told you, man, give the ball to Leroy. Found down, hiked the ball. Quarterback went back. He tried to fake and run. They tackled him. And the coach, he just lost it. He just lost it. He stomped out on the field, went up to the quarterback. He said, man, didn't I tell you four times to give the ball to Leroy? And the quarterback literally said, Leroy said, he just don't want that there ball. (laughs) Some of you, God is trying to give us the ball. And we just don't want that there ball. Because yes, you might get tackled. Yes, there's going to be some big things coming after you. But it is the destiny that God sees for you that he is the eternal and divine coach. And when he calls a play and when the person won't carry the ball that he has ordained for them to carry, the whole team can lose. And we got all these excuses. And that's why God had to deal with me. He said, boy, I want to take you to places, but you just want to be comfortable. You want to slow down, which I did. I said, Lord, I'm in my 60s now. See, that's why you don't hear me criticizing any of the folk in the Bible because I understand that stuff. God gives you a big old mission. Like you told Moses, Moses got to go up there and deal with the president. And then I can't have talk. You want me to go up there and deal with the president? And the president is different now than he was in that day. In that day, the president had all power. The Pharaoh had all power. The Pharaoh just had your head chopped off. Now the president may can kill you, but they got to do it, you know, kind of covertly on the side. Like you had an accident. Back then, kill that man right now. Kill it. So Moses knew that facing Pharaoh was a job. And Moses just basically in a nutshell told God, I don't want that there ball. Get that to Leroy. I don't want that there ball. So Moses didn't want it. 
So I understand your reluctance to do what God has ordained you to do. Because it will universally take you out of a comfort zone. But it will also universally put you in a place of destiny. And sometimes you may not understand why God is calling me into this. You've got this unction in your heart. And yet, for whatever reason, there's a fear. And there's a reluctance because you're just comfortable. And it's hard to move a comfortable person. It's hard to move a comfortable person. But I tell you this, people. If you won't move while you are comfortable... God will have to make you uncomfortable. And then he makes you uncomfortable. He puts a fire on you. And see, many times we think it's the devil putting it. That's not the devil. You wouldn't move. You wouldn't do right when God was telling you to do it. You just wouldn't move. And I deal with this over and over with myself. My mother often says, son, I just wish I could hear from God like you. I said, mother, the key is not hearing. It never has been. The problem has always been doing. It has never been the hearing. Folk in the Old Testament heard from God all day long. That wasn't the problem. They just wouldn't do. Folk in the New Testament, they just wouldn't do. Folk today, they just won't do. My problem, I just won't do. I don't have a problem hearing from God. I have a problem doing what God tells me to do. And I suspect many of you do too. And God is trying to call us into kingship. See, Elijah has been preaching about the king's blessing these last three weeks. And when you really move to the destiny and the place that God has for you, Oh, there's a blessing in that thing. There's a blessing in that thing, regardless of how uncomfortable you may think it is. And I've learned over and over, I look back on some circumstances and I say to myself, I wish I had done what God told me to do. And if I had done what God told me to do, I wouldn't be in this mess right now. You ever had that? And sometimes it's not that you hear an audible voice, but God puts it in your spirit to do this or don't do this. And we don't listen. And then we end up with the consequences of the thing, thinking, my brother Bishop Dale, he says, God won't make you do right, but he sure will make you wish you had done right. Saul hid himself among the baggage. And we'll oftentimes let our baggage stop us from God's call. Yeah, you messed up. Who hadn't? If anybody's real honest about their past, yeah, you messed up. And you may have messed up big time. So you didn't do any worse than Paul. Paul was just killing all the Christians. You all have not come into church and just killed anybody. Now, you may have damaged some folk with your lips, but you haven't just killed them like Paul. So who in here has done any worse than what Paul was doing? But God struck him blind. See, he made him uncomfortable. He struck him blind. And then he was ready to listen to Jesus. The reluctant king. And we are, so many of us, those reluctant kings and queens who will not do and move into the destinies that God has. And people, I believe once you start moving, God will start opening up some things and changing your life and giving you revelation and vision and favor that will make a world of difference, not just in your world, because God doesn't want to take you to kingship just for you. He wants to take you to be the king so you can help other people. It's not just for you. God's vision for your world is never just for you alone. It's always a bigger and a grander vision than just you. But we're reluctant. You know, when Jesus gave the parable and he talked about man said, look, I got to go bury my daddy. I just bought a field and I got to go see it. I just sold five oxen. I just got married. What's your baggage? Turn to the person next to him. Ask, what's your baggage? What's your baggage? What's your baggage you hiding behind that will not allow you to do and you use as excuses for not doing what God has told you? What's your baggage? What's your baggage? Jesus is the burden bearer and he takes all of the baggage, but you got to give it to him. And you got to give it to him and then do what the Father says. And when we do that, God has a throne for you. And he has a throne for us. 
that is magnificent. Just say, give me that ball. 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 And when God empowers you, you can run through any obstacle that the devil puts in front of you. But you got to take that there ball. You got to take that there ball. You got to take that there ball. Lord, I just pray that everyone who's heard the sound of my voice right now and this message has pricked their spirit, that they'll take the ball you are handing off to them and get the word in them and run with it and run straight to the throne that you have prepared for them. Father, I believe the destiny of everyone within the sound of my voice is far greater than where we are right now. You are not too uneducated. You don't have too much baggage. You're not too old. You're not too broke. You're not too sick. You can do what God has destined you to do, but you must take that there ball. Father, help us to grab the ball and to run with it and to not let anything stop us or be an excuse for not doing your will. The name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part four of the series titled The Reluctant King by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5752. That's 5752. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5752 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.